Stop. It never rains at Austin Stadium. Welcome back to It Never Rains. Tyson Alger here, joined by Aaron Fentress. It is two days after the completion of the NFL draft. Multiple NFL or du- er, <laughs> ah, Oregon Ducks were selected in the NFL draft. <laughs> Others were picked as undrafted free agents. Aaron, this was a lot more of a relaxing weekend for me because I don't cover the NFL. So uh, you know what? How about you just take it from here and uh, uh, how did it go for you? Yeah, I kept texting you. Are you doing anything draft related? You're like, nope. <laughs> then I check your Instagram. You're like cooking sides of beef. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, man, you you meticulously researched and worked this NFL draft the way I smoked and uh, uh, dry rubbed that chuck roast that I did over the course of 24 hours. So. It looked it looked scrumptious. Yeah, uh, you know it it was uh, it was an interesting draft. I think it wasn't quite as interesting as many would have thought from a Seahawks standpoint because they usually trade down and they accumulate this massive stockpile of picks. They did not do that this time. They did have one minor trade down, but it wasn't like trading out of the first. Uh, but you know they got some dudes. And it's, I treat drafts all the same. It's like they got some guys, and we'll see in three years what that means. Okay, so so all the. So, so, so outside, we'll, we'll get to the Oregon picks, and we're, we're also going to talk a little bit about uh, the 2021 draft, where Oregon could have a lot of dudes selected in that draft. But I mean, just yeah. from just from like a straight consumer standpoint, um, I think us just about like everyone else in the, in kind of the sports world was excited for at least the, the first two nights of this thing because we've had an utter lack of things to watch on television uh, for the past like month and a half or so. Um, <laughs> I, I liked it, to be honest. Like, I, I, I'm i not a huge uh, watch the draft guy for entertainment value as it is. So, like, I didn't necessarily, like, miss out on, like, the grand spectacle of whatever city it was going to be in. I, I have a few friends that go to the draft every year. And, uh, you know, they were whining on Facebook that they couldn't go get hammered this weekend. But um, <laughs> but from from actually watching it, I, I thought it was cool. It, it went off pretty smoothly without any hitches. I mean, you had some of, like, the comedy of – you know, Belichick's dog sitting on his, uh, <laughs> sitting right. on his chair and all that. Um, yeah, I, 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 I certainly enjoyed it. I thought it was fascinating seeing all the decision makers at home because it made it seem more like a fantasy draft. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like when you're with your boys drafting off on, uh, you know, your, uh, your, your computer. So I thought that was kind of cool. And the Belichick dog thing was hilarious. And of course, Twitter just ran with that as like, he was the true GM or he's the assistant GM or, is he responsible for the Brady pick? It was just hilarious. So I, I thought I was, just, the only thing the, the only thing I didn't dig was all the singing in between. Yeah, yeah. I was, and I, I, Kelly Clark, like all of a sudden Kelly Clarkson was in my face, just blasting her vocals. Now I will say this: she could sing her tail off. Like it was pretty impressive. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, I did not tune into the draft for any kind of singing. If I want or, singing. I'll pop on my my music myself anyway. Or do you know what like a whole bunch of sports fans don't want at two o'clock on a Saturday, like a, a impromptu one Republic concert? Like like what the hell was that? Like, come on. Yeah, who is that for exactly? <laughs> I, I I imagine I imagine part of that was like because this is likely going to be dominating the televisions of every household and for every sports fan, like there's probably a little bit like, Oh my God, we got to have something to entertain the family members yeah. who have put up with this crap for the, for the last 48 hours. The yeah. halftime shows are successful. Let's have some singing during the draft. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I'm just being bah humbug about it. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people enjoyed it. I just didn't have time for it. Okay. So Get to the picks. Obviously, the news of the draft, Justin Herbert going to the Los Angeles, not the San Diego Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers. I think it was a pick that didn't necessarily surprise a lot of people because 
you know, coming into it, it looked like it was either going to be the Dolphins or the Chargers. Tua ends up going to the Dolphins. Herbert goes to the Chargers. Um, you know, everyone immediately wants to go like, oh, how do you think of this as a fit? Like, you know, is it going to work there? It's way too early to tell. I, th- I think the Chargers are taking the right approach right now by saying, you know, we don't expect him to be the face of our franchise right away. We're going to bring him along. But, um, you know, overall, it, is, it seems like a pick that, I mean, most notably, the Herbert family is ex- excited about because they stay on the West Coast. The Chargers were uh, one of Herbert's favorite teams growing up. Um, I don't know. It, it, it seems like a, a decent position to, to be going into. I, I think especially much better than, you know, like, let's say he he like went 1-1 to Cincinnati or something like that. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see why it wouldn't be a good fit. I mean, that. You know, it's not a bad franchise. It's not yeah. a dysfunctional place. Uh, Philip Rivers had a lot of great success there from a passing standpoint. He may be a Hall of Famer. They didn't win a ton, although he had a couple of runs that uh, looks at maybe being a Super Bowl contenders. But it's not like he went to, like you said, Cincinnati, which has just been just a mess for most of the last 30 years. Uh, so, no, I think it's, I think it's fine. Like it, They're not a very good team right now. Um, they could be easily down the road, and it's going a lot of that's going to depend on his development and the fact that they have a veteran quarterback, Tyrod Taylor, there to sort of take some pressure off of him if he's not ready uh, helps. But at the end of the day, you know, all that fit stuff is just like you, you got to make plays. And I even wrote in my article last week about the history of first round picks not working out out of Oregon, you know, with quarterbacks, and some of them did go to dysfunctional places like Harrington in Detroit, Achilles Smith in Cincinnati, even Mariota to Tennessee. But at the end of the day, those guys also didn't perform all that well. So you have to make the most out of it yourself. And if there's dysfunction around you, but you play well, then you'll eventually land somewhere else with another shot. So we'll see what Herbert does. I think he'll be fine. Um, You know, I'd say his floor, he's at least a good NFL quarterback. We'll see if he can develop into a superstar. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, if, if if he if he's if he definitely gets that opportunity to kind of kind of come along at his own pace and he's not thrown in there, that's why I like the fact that he you know could be behind Tyrod to start because um, obviously I'm not an NFL evaluator of talent here, but just you know kind of the speed of which Herbert needs to, to read things at the NFL, I think that's going to be uh, the thing that kind of uh, holds him back the longest, anyways, until he he starts to capitalize on that physical talent of his. Um, let me ask you this question: Do you think there's any part of like? Money aside, and obviously that's an impossible thing to argue because money is all around this, but like, who would you rather be? Would you rather be Justin Herbert or, uh, or uh, Jordan Love right now and, and have that opportunity to uh, maybe be like the next guy after Aaron Rodgers? I'd rather be Herbert. I, I, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. not because you don't know how long Rodgers is going to stick around. Like, he's still good. So it, it's. That's yeah, an absolutely fascinating scenario because it just mirrors what happened when Rodgers went to Green Bay when Favre was there. I I, <laughs> I love it, and and I wonder if if Rodgers now has like a newfound respect for Favre, um, and 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 how Favre was just kind of like I don't want to deal with this kid when he's here in, in that situation. So um, I know it's yeah. gonna be fun, it's gonna be fun to see if Rodgers will be a mentor or not when Favre just totally disrespected him. Um, but let's see, what's Aaron thirty six now? Hey, he's thirty six. I, I don't, he's you, know, you know, he, he's he got a game that probably is not going to translate up to like 44 or whatever the heck Tom Brady is right now, just because he's, <laughs> he's a little bit more on arm talent. Um, but, but look at this though. He, the last two seasons, 51 TDs, six INTs. And some people still rip on him like, oh, he's declining. He's this. Okay. He might be declining, but damn, like I would like, it, I would take that in Chicago all day. That would win the Super Bowl in Chicago, with their defense. So well, yeah, I mean, like, like he's not go- he's not going anywhere. <laughs> I 
damn it. I put that on a T for you. Uh, but I, I see him playing three more seasons. Now, they might move on from him after two, right? which is possible because his contract is insane. It's, it balloons up, I think, to 39 and then 40. Jeez. So this might be a situation where they're going to be like, you know what? We can just go with the youngster, get rid of Aaron Rodgers, and sign like three $15 million a year free agents and be better. So that might be the plan in, in the short term. But I think he'll be around the league for four more years. He'll probably finish somewhere else like uh, Tom Brady is doing with Tampa. Uh, you want to talk Troy Dye next? He goes to the Vikings, a mid-round pick. Uh, I know there was. Yeah. A, I know there was. A, <laughs> this happens all the time. I, th- I think every uh, college fan gets attached to to their player. You know, especially a player like Troy Dye, who uh, for four seasons was very good for Oregon. Um, but I, I did see some chatter of like, oh, like people are sleeping on Troy Dye now. People are sleeping on Troy Dye now. I mean, I think he went probably like right where he should have. I mean, like Troy Dye just doesn't have the frame or body right now to 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 warrant a, uh, you know, a, a top, like, you know, like a second round pick or whatever, but you know, he, he got a good contract. He's going to a good fran- franchise. I, I I thought this was a good landing spot for him. What do you sign for? Ah, shoot. I'll, I'll pull it up right now. Um, okay. Well, while I spew. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're everything you said about him is correct. He, so the NFL guy I talked to about him said he thinks Troy has a chance to succeed. Like that he can find his niche on the right type of team but that he doesn't have the lower body strength and the overall uh, physical force you'd want for a middle guy, but he's not as athletic as he is. He's not overly athletic to the point where you think he's going to excel in space unless he's in a specific type of system. So yeah, I mean, those are the kind of guys that a team is going to zero in on and say, yeah, we think we can use him um, with what we do. And we know we're going to get something out of him in special teams, but we're not going to spend a first, second, or third round pick on the guy when we know we can get him in the fourth. Because in the first and second round, you're getting more athletic. Like the, the guy, the uh, Seahawks took in the first round is 240, six foot 240, as opposed to Dye's 6'3, 230. And he ran a 455 at the combine. I think would Dye run 46 something. So yeah. yeah, I mean, you're going to take that guy over Troy. It's not sleeping on Troy. It's just what he is. It doesn't mean he won't be good or great. It's just that's what he is. Okay. So I, I guess the actual reported numbers haven't come out yet, but uh, over the cap.com. Uh, uh, estimated that uh, his signing bonus will be worth six hundred and eighty grand, uh, and the total Cha-ching! total contract three point nine million dollars. So, um, yeah, Di, that's right. Die didn't run the combine because he had the new yeah. thing. So, uh, like his his NFL.com evaluation was good backup who could become a starter. You know, and that's I think that's fair. You know, I I think the the one thing that we can touch on uh, <laughs> because this is what kind of generated the most chatter for Oregon fans kind of in the late rounds was. Uh, um, you know, there was the the comment that of of kind of questioning how much Troy Dye really wanted it. Um, I mean, he played all of last season with a broken broken hand. He had bro- torn ligaments in his knee. I I don't think that's really a question with Troy Dye. Yeah, I'll be surprised if desire and passion for the game would be a concern with him, unless he's just putting been putting on an act the last four years. Like I don't. I mean, if you ask me, who are the top ten most passionate, energetic players you've ever covered at Oregon? He'd be in my top ten. Like, there's no doubt about that. I, I think there's a, a a kind of a lazy correlation people make between like people having um, maybe like expressive being or, goofy. or like or yeah or or like nuanced personalities with like you know, how they actually approach their job. I yeah, mean, he's not serious. I'm, I'm going to make a lazy comparison here, but like, 
I goof around a shit ton, but I'm a really good journalist. <laughs> you know, like I, you can have a separation yeah. between your, per- okay, I'm an average journalist. No, but, you, know. you set me up for that one. You set me up for that one. No, but uh, you're, you, and yeah. I, you and I are both the same in that way. Like yeah. we take our work seriously. When it's time to grind, we grind, but we're going to have fun. Yeah. Like I'm here to have fun. I'm not here to act like this is life or death. It's football. Dude, and, and going more on this, like what's the one thing that you heard coming out of this draft from like all the NFL GMs of like, oh my God, like this was such a great experience to be able to do this with my family and to take a step back. And could you believe like we got the same amount of work done without like having to like be at the facility for like 23 straight out. Like all of these guys are now, are now realizing <laughs> that there's a separate, like there's a, a work life balance that some people pursue. And like, I feel like Troy Dye's just got a good perspective on this. Troy Dye doesn't work any less hard than anybody else. He just knows like, when you, I don't know, that that sort of thing drives me nuts, especially when it's on like a third day of a broadcast when guys are just kind of like reaching into a bag to like pull up. You know, I, I, I have respect for those guys who do the NFL draft because that's an absolute marathon of a broadcast. But like some of those like kind of just like pull out of the bag comments can can get a little lazy. About 10 years ago, when I, my first stint covering the Seahawks, I did an article on the health issues around coaches. And I talked to Holmgren extensively about it. Like I pulled Holmgren aside and I thought I would maybe get a minute with him. He went on forever about it because he was like, yeah, this, this is a tough business. And guys, you know, they don't exercise enough. They eat poorly. Like you're, in the, you're trapped in a, in a room all day watching video. You order pizza. You know, you do that for 10 or 15 years. You're not working out. You get out of shape. You get health issues. So, I mean, the right, right there he was spelling out that it's not a healthy lifestyle. And I do think that people take it too seriously to the point of over-analysis, which creates, you know, paralysis by over-analysis. So, yeah, I think these guys all learn. You know what? I still drafted. I managed to pull off a draft with my six-year-old daughter running around <laughs> making paper airplanes. And it wasn't that big of a deal. So maybe they will learn to pull back a little bit. We'll see. I doubt it. Okay, so next topic of discussion, uh, Shane Lemieux goes to the Giants. Uh, Jake Hansen goes to the Packers. Calvin Throckmorton goes undrafted. Did the fact that the Throckmorton out of those three being the one who was undrafted, does that surprise you at all? No, because only because, like I said, when I talked to that one scout uh, earlier in the process, he said of the three, that was the last one he would take. He saw him as a, as a free agent. <clears throat> this doesn't mean he wasn't a good high school or college lineman. Obviously, he was. But there were a lot of questions about his flexibility, athleticism, and quickness in space as a tackle. And he thought that he would be probably better served as a guard. And even Throckmorton said that at the combine that he believed that maybe guard might be his better spot. By all accounts, he got destroyed at the Senior Bowl. The guys were just running right by him and just he couldn't handle bull rushes either. He just was a guy who's sort of a tweener. Um, whereas Shane Lemieux, a- athletic enough to make it, but has some, you know, has some things about him that aren't ideal. Same with Hanson. Uh, so no, I'm not surprised the way it played well, out. And I do think Shane has the best chance to succeed because he's athletic enough to play guard, whereas Hanson probably isn't. And Shane has been working on being a center. So that gives him some more, um, versatility. One thing to note about Throckmorton, he does go undrafted, but he does sign an undrafted free agent contract with the Saints, and he's going to get a hundred and ten grand guaranteed with another twelve point five in a signing bonus. So, <clears throat> and so that's a pretty good contract uh, for yeah, that's undra- a nice chunk. Yeah, that, that's so you know he's 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 going to have the opportunity to try to make a camp somewhere. But uh, um, absolutely. Um, and then uh, so that that's it in terms of guys who were drafted. Uh, Oregon fans who are trying to get rid of some of their Tennessee Titans gear. Uh, looks like the New Orleans Saints are your new favorite team because they picked up they, they picked up three dudes uh, from this year's Ducks team. It was uh, in, in addition to uh, Throckmorton. They also grabbed uh, Gus Cumberlander and uh, Juwan Johnson as undrafted free agents. Good for Gus. I didn't know about Gus. Good for him. And the yeah, Gary Baker. I, I saw, yeah, yeah. Gary Baker got picked up somewhere too, which like 
Um, I don't know how much fans Oregon fans know about Baker, but he's kind of a guy that's been on the periphery his entire career and kind of always yeah. talked about potential and never really got to show it on the on the college field. But uh, yeah, that that was a kind of a, a fun one to see that that he got picked up. I well, let me look up where he he signed, but and then Breland went to Jacksonville, right? Correct. That's an interesting spot for him. I oh, man, I oh no 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 sorry sorry Bre- Bre- Breland went to uh, Baltimore. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, you're right. <clears throat> I, uh, I, th- I thought he would still get picked um, up until entering the seventh round. I went and checked that the tight ends remaining, and there was a lot of tight ends. Like the two from LSU were remaining. That the Randy Moss's son, and then the Sullivan guy that Seahawks picked up. They're saying he's a receiver. And the guy from Portland State, Charlie Tomapeo, who got signed as free agent with Dallas, he was still on the board. And there were like six or seven other guys who were highly productive that were on the board. I'm thinking, yeah, if you're drafting a tight end in the seventh round. You're going to take a guy. You're probably not going to take a guy who's not who coming, yeah. coming off a knee injury, right? Which is yeah. kind of you know kind of unfair because had he not had the injury, he'd have had 800 yards and 10 touchdowns last well, year. Well, he's on pace for that. Yeah, that, that, that's a tough thing with Breland because he'd been injured a lot, kind of in his college career, and I feel like that's why he didn't really start to really realize that potential till that first half of this season. Uh, and so he was making his way onto draft boards. That was the discussion. It's not like he cemented himself as a first round pick. It's like, oh, wow, Jacob Breland's coming out of nowhere. He's established himself. Let's see what can happen. And then, you know, if you're not able to play the second half of the season and then you can't go actually work out with any of these teams, it's it's pretty natural to to see a somebody fall like that. But I, I do think Breland's got a pretty high high ceiling out of all those kind of undrafted guys that Oregon, Oregon produced. Yep, I agree. Um, well, I think that's just about all we need to touch on on this draft, but let's do the one thing that everybody hates. Let's talk about a draft that's <laughs> going to happen 360 days from now. <laughs> they hate it, but they can't resist. Yeah. So I, I know you're writing a story on this uh, that's coming out to, tomorrow, Tuesday. Is that correct? I think, I think, I think tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. So I might get, let's, let's start with like the one. Very well-known one. Uh, I've seen a few mock drafts come out already. Mel Kuyper just said that at bare minimum, Penny Sewell will be picked number three overall next year. Uh, I saw uh, on Bleacher Report they had him 1-1 overall to uh, Cincinnati. Um, it's That's that's going to be a, a pretty uh, pretty darn good two back-to-back two years first-round drafts in a row for the Ducks there. And then obviously there's going to be a lot of guys coming behind Sewell. He's overrated, man. Come on. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. You just need to sit on that take. Like, establish <laughs> your little corner of the internet of the Penny Sewell sucks. <laughs> just just sit on that for, you know. I'd never go to a Ducks game again. No. Okay, he's obviously a freak. Like, the combination of agility, strength, attitude, and a monstrous body like that. And skill and quick learner. I mean, he's exactly what NFL teams slobber all over. He's definitely going to be top 10, top five. We'll see. I mean, you never know how these things things out. I, I can see him being top five. But yeah, he's he's the sure only first, for sure, first rounder I see out of Oregon next year. And he will be one of the more coveted offensive linemen to actually probably the most coveted to ever come out of Oregon offensive linemen. I think, I think Zimmerman, Zimmerman was a supplemental pick. And other than that, Kyle Long was a first rounder. And off the top of my head, I can't remember the last first round pick on the old line other than Long. And Long was a one year wonder for the Ducks. So, yeah, this will be one of the more coveted offensive linemen ever to come out of Oregon. 
When did uh, when did Unger go in the draft? Was he second round? He was second to the Seahawks, okay. and uh, Jake Fisher was a second round guy. Um, so yeah, he's yeah he's gonna be all the rage now. Is he gonna come out or is he gonna stay? He oh, he, there, there's there's no way in hell, <laughs> <laughs> no way in hell he, he stays. <laughs> if you're gonna be if you're to me if you're gonna be the first three rounds, you should come out. Um, the fact you're gonna be first round, you almost have to. Unless quarterback, I give it, I say differently. Because, uh, like I always say, unless you blow your arm out, you're still going to be viable. But you know, anyone else, you could just ruin all sorts of things in college with one more year. So yeah, he's got to come out and get, go get that money. Okay, so this, so so this year Justin Herbert goes in the top ten. Next year Penny Sewell goes in the top ten. The year after that, Kayvon Thibodeau might go in the top ten. That's mm, is, is that the best three year right. draft run Oregon's ever had? Oh yeah. I as a matter of fact. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to look right now. I can't even remember the last time they had back-to-back years with first-round picks. Oh, so Mario. Okay, so I take that back. Yeah, no, Mariota and then Buckner. So Mariota and fifteen, and Buck. God, I'm getting old. So Mariota, Mariota and, and Armstead, and Armstead both were same year that, yeah. for the first round. So yeah. two first. Yeah. So that's that's the greatest two-year run so far is three in two years, um, and then they, those are the first ones. Well, Deion Jordan went in 13. Oh, and Kyle Long. So those two, that's right. Those two were together. So they've had two first-rounders twice in the last 15 years. Um, I'd forgotten about Deion Jordan. So, yeah. I mean, but three years in a row. I don't think they've ever had three three years in a row or one three years in a row. They've had three in two years. It, it, it's, it's obviously a small sample size, but it's, especially towards as last year kind of got towards the tail end, you did see a lot of those kind of NFL draft analysts who, uh, you know, start only paying attention to the college game towards the end of the year. But there was a lot of uh, <laughs> with the number one overall pick in the 2022 draft, Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon. Um, so I, I think it is. At oh, least, someone had that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it someone was, had that really. I, I think it was Matt Miller. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think. Uh, you know, it, it's not outlandish to project that he at least has that ceiling. Um, you know, he's still oh, still yeah. still, still got a long ways to go. But that dude was a freak last year, especially kind of like the last five games of the season. I thought he was the best defensive player on the team. Yeah. Well, when you watch video of all the, the edge rushers that went in the first round, it's like Kayvon looks just like those guys at 19. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> give, a, give, give that dude another two. like give that dude another like 15 pounds or so. And yeah, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> two years, another 30 sacks. And yeah, he'll be a he'll be a high end pick, no doubt. Absolutely. Okay, so other guys that could come up next year. Uh you have kind of the the quartet of guys who who said they came back this year uh, uh for their senior year or for their senior years, like Thomas Graham, Diamondor Lenore, Jordan Scott, um, Austin Fallu. Um, you know, I I have no idea how to project um, some of those corner guys. That's not my specialty. Uh, I think they probably made the right decision by coming back this year. Um, that's that's just me. Uh, the one guy that I'm really kind of fascinated by because for a, a very long time I kind of didn't really think he had much uh, potential outside of uh, Oregon. But I was actually watching some highlight tapes from him the last uh, last week or so. And what do you think about Johnny Johnson? I mean, he's he put up a fantastic season last year and. He, he's done it with a body of work that's a lot. I need to give him a lot more credit than I initially did because that dude has made some tough catches. Yeah, he developed a lot from year one to year three. I expect him to make another jump in year four. I just hope he can get the same looks from a quarterback that right. he was getting from Herbert. Um, but he's got, <clears throat> you know, he's not overly tall. Was he 5'11", 6 foot? But he's over 200 pounds, so he's got some thickness physical, to him. Yeah. He's not, yeah, he's not super fast, but he's quick with enough speed. And he can make special catches. Like, you know, so... To me, he reminds me of David Moore, 
who plays for the Seahawks. Uh, Moore actually ended up going seventh round, but he was also playing in a Division II school. I'm almost positive Johnson will get drafted. The scout I talked to about this year's class started asking me about last year or next year's guys. And he was like, you know, I re- he said he really liked Johnson. He thought Johnson has a real a real chance to, to go. And, of course, he likes Holland too. But the question is if Holland's going to come out. But I, right. I would have Holland second. And then my next group would, would be headed by uh, Johnny Johnson as the next guy off the board for Oregon. All those guys who came back who, who could have gone pro, uh, their draft grades weren't high enough to make it worth it for them to do so. Um, so they have a lot to do this year to get themselves into the higher rounds. But most of those guys will have a chance to get picked. Like Lenore and Graham, obviously, are like you know, anywhere from third to fifth, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, Nick Pickett, anywhere from maybe fourth to sixth. Brady Breeze will be interesting, uh, too. And then Jordan Scott, you know, he's got to, he's got you know, still work on his body a little bit because he does have a lot of excess body fat still, even though he's improved there. Don't so he's got to work on that to get a look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, it'll be interesting. And then uh, one other guy, oh, um, Cam McCormick. See, yeah, that's an that, That's one. a guy. Yeah. So, like, it's, he beat out Breland, which surprised me, and then he got hurt again. But from an athletic standpoint, like, he has the goods, but he just doesn't have the stats. Like, he's got to have a season. So if he can have a good season and stay healthy, he's got a shot to be, you know, an, a late-round pick as well. All right. Have we, have we reached the point where uh, we just give you six minutes to talk about the last dance? <laughs> I, I and go. I I found last night's episodes fascinating, uh, mainly because I was curious how they were going to differentiate. Because you know these were like the Rodman themed episodes, and I was I was curious how they were going to differentiate it from you know thirty for thirty had done a whole hour and thirty minute long right uh, Rodman episode. So I, you know, I did think there was some you know you follow Twitter during the th- these things. Everyone wants something to talk about, and there was a lot of kind of like criticism of like the storytelling and how they were like jumping the timelines. Um, oh my god! My wife was freaking out. She kept but, she kept going. Wait a minute, we're going back to to nineteen eighty five. What but, the hell happened? <laughs> but but so so here was my thing about it. Is like okay, everyone has got to understand. Like this is a long form of telling a story. And so I saw 100%. people going. So I saw people going like, oh my, like how like the Rodman stuff was cool, but like when did we just get back to the highlights of Jordan being a badass? And what they were trying to establish there was Michael Jordan was really freaking good, but then they ran into a wall against the Pistons, and that's that shows them why they needed to add something else, not only the players adding weight, but then that's part of how Rodman ended up coming into the fold, like down the road. Like it's, it's just, I, I really liked last night's episode and like that, fi- that final five minutes of the second episode between like, you know, Jordan talking shit about uh, Isaiah Thomas and, you know, like, like that whole thing, like that was the most entertaining five minutes of a documentary I think I've ever seen. Yeah. I, I can see where it would be like for my wife and daughter, they were like confused by the whole thing, but I explained it to them. What you said is exactly right. Cause what they were trying to show is, okay, <clears throat> Rodman and Jordan are going to come together, but let's go back and tell Rodman's story so that we can then show why it was so interesting for him to join the Bulls because he was a villain. And then in order to show how Rodman was the villain to Jordan Pippen, you got to go back and show how the Bulls were making their trek up and then ran into the wall that was the Pistons with Rodman and how they beat the crap out of Jordan and why he hated them, but then how it worked a few years later when they were able to come together. So how they did it was actually pretty clever. But for the average person who doesn't know the story, it, I can see where it was totally confusing. Man, like, they're just all over the place. I loved their interviewing technique of, hey, here's a video of somebody saying something. Like, Yeah, what, that was hilarious. Wasn't it? That? Like, <laughs> man, just watching like Jordan's eyes. I mean, like even uh, 
watching Pippin listen to Jordan talk about the dragon Rodman out of out of the bed story. And like when Pippin, you could just see in Pippin's eyes, he's like, holy crap, he told you this one, huh? Like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this. I didn't watch four yet. We only watched three last night. Oh, man, you, <clears> you, you, you got to watch four. You got to watch four. That one was the But best did one. they... So did, did they touch on the fact that when Jordan came back, they lost to Orlando? And one of the reasons they lost to Orlando was they didn't have Horace Grant? Like, they, they skipped they, that in they, three, which is weird to me. They uh, they didn't get that far yet. See, because that, that was weird to me. Because the reason why they went after Rodman was because they had lost Horace Grant to Orlando. And then when Jordan came back, they didn't have a power forward. And they lost to Shaq, Penny, and, and Horace Grant in the playoffs. So in the offseason, they had to add a power forward. And the only one out there that made sense from a basketball standpoint was Rodman. But could they get past the personality? Like, I couldn't believe they skipped that. It was like, that's, that was the, the reason they went and got him. Because Horace Grant was gone. Wait, so you, anyway. you 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 didn't watch the second? So you missed? You I should have edited it. You missed? You missed like Horace Grant's like best line from the whole series so far. Then what did he say? <laughs> Cameron. So did they touch on him going to Orlando? Then uh, they did touch on it. No, they they, they didn't hit that part yet. Um, I, oh, okay. I, uh, they they were. Just, what did he say? They showed him like the video of like Isaiah defending like why he didn't shake hands and uh, Horace Grant. Oh yeah. And just Horace Grant's just like those guys are bitches. <laughs> <laughs> they were. Yeah. They were little punk asses, man. I was, I was like, come on, be a, just what did they do to you? You beat the snot out of them. Like you invented a defensive system where you literally just assaulted the guy the entire game. You invented the flagrant foul. And then they beat you and you're gonna act like jackasses. Show some respect. Like when when Detroit finally beat Boston, then that was as hated a rivalry as the Boston Bulls one was. All those Pistons, all see, all the Celtics. Like went up to the Pistons and shook their hand, like because they were. It was in Detroit, Game Six, and Mikael, Bird, and Paris were already out of the game, so they got them out of there because they knew the fans were going to storm the floor. So they wanted to get the stars out of there. And Mikael stops on his way out and shakes Isaiah's hands and says, "Go beat the Lakers." That's how it should be. But yeah, those guys were those guys were suck asses for that. I I, I think the the thing that uh, just made me like the most nostalgic watching that, and I can't remember if this was uh, Episode Four or Three, but uh, there was just like. It was Jordan hanging out in, I think, the trainer's room, and there was, like, three or four of the uh, riders there. And it was just, like, a complete, like, off-the-record, like, media session. Like they Oh, were, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and, it's, yeah. and it's just, like, that shit doesn't happen that anymore. Like, you know, it, it's, it's so – I mean, to that extent anyways. Like, every, everything's so, like – any little bit of information from any player has got to be tweeted out and all this stuff. Like, I, I think uh, – <laughs> The media and, and players and coaches and everything had so much of a better relationship, like when not every single little thing had to be reported. And, and you know, you saw that a little bit there where where guys could actually talk and reason with players and understand stand a little bit of like their rationale without it just being like that that work working relationship. You know what I mean? hundred percent, dude. And everything that did come out in a newspaper was far more substantiated because it just it had more meaning to make it into the paper. Whereas now we just throw everything out there. Like everything is out. Um, there's no, there's hardly any filter. There's hardly any standards. I mean, one thing we do well at the athletic, I think is that what we put on the site, we tweet stuff and what we put on the site has to have some meat to it. Like we're not just throwing crap out there mostly. So, (laughs) Hey Cameron, um, can we make sure to isolate this like 15 (laughs) seconds and have it being the the pullout part for when we tweet it, where we, we talk about how our work is so much better than, than everybody. No, just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, Well, I mean, 
we're a throwback in a lot of ways in how we do things in terms of what we put on our site is usually thought out as opposed to what a lot of people like when I was well, you and I were at the work I working live we're, what were we told put it up I never forget, you know, you go to practice. We want something up five minutes after practice is over. Just whatever the league quote was, just put it online. In, in, okay. the, in, the, 2014, <laughs> in the 2014 season, when, so, you know, when the Ducks were as good as they were ever going to be, and that was also right when we were going, like, full-blown online mode, uh, Greif and I were required to write four stories a day during the season, which is... Four a day yeah, each? Four each a day. So, I mean, and granted, not everything... And it could be it could be 100 words. Yeah, though. true. Yeah. But it was just like... But still. It's like how, yeah. Anyway, so it, I, I enjoyed my time working there. I'm, I'm, I have nothing bad to say. Well, yeah, yeah we're not. It's not... It wasn't even, it, well, it wasn't even the editor's fault. Yeah, it no. was what was coming down. It was just... Yeah. It was coming down from advance, really, and just how it was. Like, we need, we need clicks. So the yeah. more things you put out the better but well and, anyway, and, and, we, we digress and, and like it just completely goes to the fact that like the bulls like i'll let this whole camera crew like with them the entire season like you build that based upon trust and you know you build trust by not publishing every single thing like the minute it happens exactly. anyways uh shoot we have some fun stories coming this week. You have your uh, twenty twenty one draft thing dropping on Tuesday. Uh, towards the end of this week, we have uh, a special thing. We have a blitz coming. I'm not actually sure if we're allowed to announce what it is yet, but uh, I have stories coming on Thursday and Friday about something that's very near and dear to a lot of Oregon fans' hearts. Um, so keep an eye on the athletic for that. Uh, what else you want to plug, Aaron? Uh, I need to come up for air from all this draft yeah, stuff. Okay. And so, you know, so take some time at home, you know, just to <laughs> <laughs> take some time at home. <laughs> One thing I am going to do is I'm going to do, I've been doing a ton of film things on the draft picks for the, the Seahawks, but I'm going to start doing some sort of film breakdowns on some of the recruits, Oregon's recruits, and then some guys who haven't played a lot yet, but well in the near future. That'll give me something to do and Duck fans to look forward to during this hiatus, which hopefully will end by the fall. We can cross our fingers. Um, so, yeah, I'll be working on that. And, uh, it, you know, if anybody was tuning into this podcast to get a uh, when is college football coming back, like there's no point in us doing that week to week on these podcasts because it seems like it's going to change every week. So, uh, uh you know, if, if we have news, we'll write about it. But, uh, you know, we probably don't need to do like the, hey, Aaron, what do you think about August 27th as the start date? <laughs> you know, I kind of think it could. Because if you look at the pattern. That, 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 was, that was like uh, two weeks ago I read a story. It was like, headline, Wayne Gretzky says he hopes hockey comes back this summer. Like, yeah, no, duh. <laughs> See, that's what we're talking about. That. That's not a story. Yeah, yeah. That's not a story. He hopes. Yeah. Of course he hopes. We all hope. Anyway. All right. Well, hey, thanks for listening. Wait, that wasn't one of our stories, was it? <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, I, if, it, it was a great story. Um, anyways, it, uh, this was It It Never Rains. Uh, we're getting to the summer where that's actually true. And if you like listening to this podcast, please rate us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And once again, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.